Good morning, church. Everybody doing good today? It is so good to be back with you and my friend, Pastor Gary Wiggins. He and I met a number of years ago, and I uh, came down and did some meetings out at, um, what was the name of that place? Is that where the boats are? The Yacht Club? Yeah, the Florida Yacht Club, and we did some... Okay, and then you brought me in with John Maxwell just to see how intimidated I'd be. I, I quit. I'm not doing it anymore. So uh, it has been an honor to serve your father and you and you and now your son and your family. Uh, what an incredible legacy your family has. And Sister Wiggins, I understand that you went and picked the pastor up and drove him to church this morning on your 91st birthday. And... And there was a car going too slow in front of you, and so you kind of bumpered him a little bit. And, you know, if you hadn't been saved, you'd just put him in the wall. I mean, you'd just been gone NASCAR. We're happy birthday to you. And it's good to see you today. Come on, church. you got a great set of leaders in this church. You can be seated for just a minute. And uh, I am so glad to be here. I, I left home a couple of Fridays ago. I've been in... Fredericksburg, Virginia, and uh, Dallas, Texas, and Oklahoma City, and San Antonio, Texas, and then I got back in here Friday night, and my bride met me. Gail, would you stand up? And this is my wife, Gail, and uh, you know, she wasn't really interested in going to Oklahoma City, but when I told her I was coming to Florida, she just got right on the airplane. It's amazing what discretion that woman uses on where she wants to go. It is good to be here. And there is a lady here that I have not met, but she just preached for a friend of mine. And uh, Jennifer Beckham, would you stand? You pastor, you and your husband used to pastor Restore Hope here in uh, Jacksonville. And it's good to meet you. And she does not want to be known as a Disney princess, but she was a Disney princess. And she's written a book called Get Over It. And she was on uh, James Robinson and some other TV shows. And uh, But pastor, I want you all to meet. She needs to connect with you. And these are godly people, and I understand your children are here. I'll look forward to meeting y'all here in a little bit. Everybody good today? Anybody recognize that we got a few problems? Yeah. I mean, the cost of coffee in a gas station is just horrible. Forget the gasoline. My coffee addiction requires an extra offering. Forget the grandkids, forget all the kids. I just, I mean, I just drink black coffee. How can coffee cost $2 a cup at a gas station? You know, we face some real, real challenges, and people are hurting. And part of that is people are lost. But you know, God was not surprised. God didn't wake up at the beginning of last year when inflation took off and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't see that coming. There's no tragedy that's ever happened on this planet, none, that God didn't see coming. And God has prepared us to have everything we need in the day in which we live to be more than conquerors. God didn't call anybody into the kingdom of God to be a failure. He didn't call anybody in the kingdom of God to be defeated. He called us to be more than conquerors for one reason. Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. So having said that, I want you to take your Bible and open it to the book of Acts. We're going to start reading in chapter 1 and read a little bit out of chapter 2. But in recognition and respect and honor for the Word of God, would you stand? Open your Bible to Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to tell you why you ought to have a real Bible. Now, I've got electronic Bibles and all that stuff. But when you die, and you will die, the, greatest, the most accurate prophetic word that you'll ever hear in this pulpit is you will die. I mean, that one, nobody could be wrong on. That's a true word. You say, Mari, give me a word. You're going to die. It's appointed man once die in the judgment. But as a pastor, I like to go get your Bible when you're gone and read out of your Bible to your kids. And nobody keeps Bibles on their iPhone. There ain't no notes. Write in your Bible so the pastor has something to say at your funeral other than something he has to make up. Preach your own funeral. Acts chapter 1. Everybody there? Verse number 4. Gathering them, get them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the world. But you shall receive power. Power. Not feelings, not emotions. Power. What happens when the power goes off? There's no light. When you turn the power on, you can turn the lights on. We need enough power to turn on enough light to deal with the darkness that is trying to transcend every area of this nation. We need power. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, verse number 15. Between what I just read and here, the disciples had been in the upper room. About 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the fire fell, tongues as a fire, and the wind began to blow, and they literally shook the city. They were so loud that people said, what's going on? We hear them all speaking in our own languages. And Peter said, hey, 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 let's not get crazy. Y'all don't know what's going on. He said in verse number 15, For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And that shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be seated. As I stand here this morning on Memorial Day Sunday at Evangel Temple Church in Jacksonville, Florida, I am not unaware of the crisis going on in our nation and literally around the world. And whether it's wars or rumors of wars, whether it's pestilence or famine, sickness and disease, 
I'm not unaware of the level of confusion of people saying, why? God, why is this happening? What's going on? I'm not unaware that we are living in a post-Christian America. This is not the America I grew up in as a non-church attender, but I still learn the Ten Commandments in my public school. I still listen to a prayer every morning in public school. We still had a moment of silence. You, everybody in America had the same set of values. When we play that national anthem, you take your right hand and put it over your heart. You kneel to God and you stand for the flag. I mean, I, we all had the same taught values. America's never been perfect, but America's in worse shape now than it has ever been because we have lost the light. When you took God out of school and you took the Bible out of school and the American Psychiatric Association made that ruling that by posting the Ten Commandments on the wall, some child may have mental disorder from having to read those because it violated their family standard. When you kick God out of school and you pass laws that are anti-Christian, anti-biblical, when you marginalize the church and maximize Hollywood, you end up with an America that has lost its way morally. It has lost its way and the public discourse in our culture is how do I destroy somebody? The cancel culture is all about the destruction of a person's reputation or their life based on something they said that did not mean then what it means now. There are words that I used growing up that we don't use anymore, but they weren't bad words. They were the respectful words. I can remember when the term, and I'm going to use this, and I want you to have mercy on me, if you use the term retarded, that was a proper word. And then it moved to emotionally handicapped. And then it moved to challenged. And because the phrases change, if you said the phrase that was the respectful phrase in that generation and it's no longer respected, now you're a this or a that and you're judged for what you said that had nothing to do with the intent of your heart or the character that God put in you. Cancel culture is a danger to people because it's about destroying other people. It's not about, hey, that's not a phrase we use anymore. That's not how we talk anymore. There's a better word. There's a more current word. It, it's, it's, it's about changing because, you know, used to be you were a janitor. Then you became a sanitation engineer. You still cleaning the toilets, buddy. And I've been one. That's where I started in ministry as a janitor. You used to be a secretary. Can you imagine telling somebody you're a secretary? Oh, my goodness, you'd be at HR. I am an administrative assistant. Could you just type the beat-up letter? Mm hmm That's not a stewardess. That's a flight attendant. Well, times have changed. But canceling out somebody from back then? See, we live where Paul told Timothy he was going or we were going to experience in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power 
avoid such men as these. There's a spirit of hate. The vitriol in this nation, Republicans, Democrats, heterosexuals, homosexuals, white collar, blue collar, white, black, brown, red, and yellow, men, women, millennials, boomers. There, 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 there is a vitriol, a spirit of vitriol in this nation where we can no longer communicate with people that are different because we have to destroy anybody that's different. And that's demonic. You're sitting in a church today that that spirit doesn't exist in this house, but it does exist in this city. The house is the answer to the city. The church is God's answer to the world. God's gift to the world was the church of Jesus Christ. And we've got to be the church, which means we got to learn to love each other. We got to get along. We got to talk. We're not all going to have the same opinion. You probably like John the Beloved, he makes me sick. I kind of like Paul. You say, why do you like Paul? Because I'm kind of like Paul. I talk and people get mad. I don't know if y'all remember Jerry Falwell. He looked at me one time in a restaurant. We were at CBN. He said, Davis, you're like me. When you see people coming, you better think fast. I said, what do you mean? He said, you need to figure out whether to pucker up or duck. He said, you don't leave anybody in the middle. They're either going to love you or hate you. And I'm thinking, you know, and then there's Pastor Gary. Everybody loves him. That's my pastor. He's such a loving guy. He's so kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. You don't make me sick, but you do make me jealous. If I ever grow up, I want to be you. The cancel culture will take what a young man did when he was 14 years of age, and he wins the Heisman Trophy last year. And they find out that at 14 years of age, he tweeted something inappropriate. And they want him to take the Heisman Trophy from him because of something he tweeted at 14. I thought, how immature are you? How stupid are you? Who in the world holds a 14-year-old boy or girl responsible for adult behavior? Where is the grace? Where is the forgiveness? Where is the common sense? Do you know I don't look at any 14-year-old and expect them to act like a 30-year-old? They're still kids. They're not babies anymore, but they're not grown anymore. You know, a man ought not to be held responsible for anything he does till he's 25. His prefrontal cortex is not even developed till then, which means the thing that gives you self-control Ain't in, it's not in place yet. Your self-controller is not there. And did you know at 55, it starts dying, which is why old people act like kids. People say, why do you say the things you say? I wouldn't have said them 10 years ago, but I've done crossed over into losing my mind. What happened where spirits of rebellion we got to rebel against everything that made this country great. We've got to rebel against everything that the church has always stood for. We, we've got to do that. We've got to hate. We, how about the narcissism? How about the narcissism in this nation? Anybody got a phone? Don't take it out. I think I'll just take me a selfie. 
No, I could take, I could take me an ussy, but I'm just going to take me a selfie. Have you ever really thought about when did we come to the place, take me a selfie? I was reading somebody's political opinion on Instagram today. Three followers. Three people are reading your post. Maybe if they actually follow. Why would you write a three-page article for people that don't care? You say, Mario, do you put stuff out there? I do. I do because other people live their lives vicariously through these phones. So I post pictures of food on my Instagram. And people comment on it. People comment on what I'm eating. Why do you care? What's wrong with you? You say, do you comment on other people's food? Only to be humorous. I don't care what you eat. I just ate some great fish down in St. Augustine last night. But I'm happy with a good can of Vienna sausage and some hot sauce. I mean, I, I've got high class, low class, and no class. And I can get into any category at any time on any meal. How about people in church? You know, you're talking about the world system and this cancel culture. How about I'm church hurt? Shut up. Who doesn't get church hurt? Jesus got church hurt. How do you think he thought when Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver and Paul's getting beaten, Peter and John, you know, Paul's rebuking Peter in front of the group of people and Peter's in trouble with Jesus in front of people. Everybody gets church hurt. You know what you need to do? Get over it. You know what? I bet, I bet you got parent hurt. I bet at some point your parents hurt you. If they didn't, it didn't hit you hard enough. I bet at some point the teacher hurt you. Some teacher didn't recognize who you were, made you sit in the wrong seat, didn't let you go out on the playground. I bet the principal hurt you. Mine hurt me almost every day my sophomore year. Every time I went to Dairy Queen for lunch, I got three licks. But for a belt buster, I didn't miss a day. I bet you got marriage hurt. Do you know? I bet you got grandparent hurt. I bet you got neighborhood hurt. I bet you got sports coaching hurt when the coach talked to you in a rude way. But you don't talk about all that. But I got church hurt. Pastor walked past me and didn't say a word. Yeah, you know, he was praying about people getting saved and, you know, three people died yesterday and he's thinking about how to comfort the family and you're standing there going, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. I mean, at what point are you going to grow up? I got church hurt. Can I tell you, I get church hurt all the time. I've invited pastor to a number of events. He never comes. He hurts me every year when I invite him to those events. Jordan just told me he's not coming to an event in November because he's going to go on missions trips this year. Just leave me out. I mean, what do you got to be going to Israel for? You don't know anybody over there. You've got people that spend their life putting other people down to lift them up. And they don't really say anything. They just say, well, if you knew who they were. It's, it's, that, it's that Pentecostal slime. It's gossiping, but making you think you're not gossiping. 
We live in a world that operates in the wrong spirit. It's the spirit of hate and destruction. And we live in a church that doesn't have that spirit. And when we let that spirit come in here, we mess up what the spirit in here wants to do so we can go out there. One of those spirits is going to win, and I know which one it is. What did Jesus tell the disciples to do? He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of from me. And he was telling them that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit not many days from now because it will come and pass in the last days, God said, I will pour out of my spirit. You know why God said he's going to pour out of his spirit in the last days? Because in the last days, evil times are going to come. And all those last days, bad things that are happening, God said, I'm going to go ahead and give an answer to that before that happens. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. You're not going to lose them. They're not going to get lost. They're going to go. They may go out, but when they grow old, they're going to come back. In the last days, God said, I've already got an answer for what the devil's going to do in the last days. And I can tell you, I believe we are in the last days before the coming of the Lord. We're in the last days before God does what he's going to do to bring this thing to an end. And you need to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. You need to learn how God is working in so many different ways. You say, well, Mario, I've been listening to the Spirit. Are you? Are you? How spiritual are you really? I mean, sometimes we think, you know, I've arrived. I've been saved. I'm 66 years of age. If I ain't saved now, I ain't never going to make it. And, you know, I don't know about you. My theology allows me to still manage to go to hell. You say, well, Mario, you can't go to hell. You got saved. No, you can get saved and backslide. People say, I can't do anything to go to hell. Don't deceive yourself. You got to walk with God all the way to the end. Now, God's salvation is by grace. You say, well, am I saved? You know, the, the, you know, Baptists believe in eternal security. Pentecostals believe in eternal insecurity. That's why you get saved every Sunday night. If you don't come back on Sunday night, you may not make it this week in case you die. I mean, got to come back on Sunday night. That's why you have a Sunday night service for people to get saved every week. And you think God wrote your name in chalk on the board and up, bad thought, you're out, you're repented, you're in. I mean, you know, God would be wore out writing some people's name down. I mean, I don't. It, but if you, th you, need, you need to understand, it's easy to miss what God is doing if you're not listening to what God is saying by his spirit. John the Beloved in Revelation 1 is on the island of Patmos. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And God raised him up, and he's able to see Jesus. And the Bible says he was told, write down everything you see in Revelation 1. In Revelation 2, there's no longer what you see. He said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And what God is saying is, you know what? You can see the glory, but you got to hear the correction. You can see the good things, but you got to hear the bad things. The Spirit of God is brought to bring some conviction in your soul. So in Revelation 2, John has to write to these churches. One of them is the church at Ephesus. That's where John went to church. He has to correct the church he goes to, and the apostle of love who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John from Ephesus had to write to the church at Ephesus, you've lost your first love. Why did John not know that? Because he couldn't see what he couldn't see. He had to hear what he had not heard so he could fix what he needed to fix to be what God called him to be. There are things in life you need to hear, and you need to develop ears to hear. I mean, people all the time say, I want to change but I can't. I have tried to change hard, but I have failed. I have given up on changing. 
You know what you need? You need a power, not a plan. Most of you know my testimony. I was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and a speed freak, 133 pounds, what you'd call a meth addict today. And when I got saved, I was delivered. I've never wanted to use drugs or drink or all that stuff again. All, I, 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 I have no desire for that, but I see people that get saved that for whatever reason they don't get that experience of deliverance. They need some power they don't have so they're not struggling with what they need to get past. You say, well, what do you say? Well, you, you know, are you against Alcoholics Anonymous? No, I'm not against anything that helps people stay sober. However, I would hate to get up the rest of my life and say, hey, I'm Mario, I'm an alcoholic. And now open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. There is a place where addictions are broken in the Spirit of God. Sometimes you need a helper, not just help. We all need some help, but I can tell you when the helper comes, help has already arrived. So God modeled this, and he did it through Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born of the Spirit. In the wilderness, he was empowered by the Spirit. And on, out of the grave, he was resurrected by the Spirit. I mean, people say, well, I met Jesus at an altar. You're born of the Spirit, but have you experienced the power of the Spirit? Because Jesus didn't get the power of the Spirit when he was born of the Spirit. He got the power of the Spirit in that moment that he came out of the wilderness and the resurrection by the Spirit came out of the grave. So when you, somebody says, you know, that would make Jesus turn over in his grave, that tells you all you need to know about their level of spiritual understanding. Jesus is not in the grave, can't turn over in the grave. He rose up out of the grave. But you need to be born of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and trust God that when the trumpet of God sounds, the dead in Christ will rise and you'll be resurrected by the Spirit of God. You need all three of those experiences in life. You need the Lord to inspire you. Say inspire. You need to look at somebody and say inspire. You need a sense of destiny in your life that God has a plan. God has a plan. May the 18th, 1975, I wrote a letter to my mother. And it was my, I'd been sentenced that day to 20 years in prison by a jury in the state of Texas. I'd never been in church in my life, but between January when I got arrested and May when I was convicted, I got saved. I mean, I got saved. I got delivered. I got saved. I had a divine encounter with Jesus Christ. And I wrote a letter to my mother as the Spirit of the Lord led me that night. Mom, I'm going to get out of prison, and I'm going to preach in schools all across this nation. I'm going to preach in every state in the nation. I'm going to travel around the United States of America, and I'm going to build something that nobody believes I can build for the kingdom of God. The last Sunday of October, 2018, I took that letter out when I resigned my church, having built the largest Assembly of God church in the state of Tennessee and what was presented at one point as the largest church in Nashville, Tennessee. You can't do what I did. You can't get to where I was from where I was. And I looked at all the things the Lord had put in my spirit. And at 62 years of age, done. Everything God put in me, God finished. He that begins a good work is going to complete it in your life. I had a sense of destiny that God's hand was upon me because he gave me a vision of what my life could be when the world said that's not what it can be. 
First of all, you're not ever going to get out. And if you ever get out, ain't nobody going to want to listen to you. You're always going to be marked. You're always going to be an ex-convict. You're always going to be filled with shame. You're always going to be a second-class citizen. And God said, I made you to be the head and not the tail. I'll make a way where there is no way. I had a sense of destiny in my life that allowed me to walk in confidence, not in my own ability. I'd already shown what Mari Davis could do, but in who my God was and what God could do in my life in an incredible way. When the Spirit comes upon your life and you feel that inspiration, you may say, I'm living in poverty today, but that is not the will of God for my life. It's God's will that I prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. I'm dealing with loneliness today, but God didn't make me to be alone. He puts the solitary in families. He's a friend that sits closer than a brother. He will never leave me or forsake me. God will be with me always, even to the end of this age. He will send people alongside of me because it's better that two go out than one go out. God's got something for this loneliness in my life. I may be sick today according to what the doctor says, but the Bible says that by his stripes, I am healed. In 2013, when I was diagnosed with cancer, and they told me this is a non-treatable cancer, I just walked by faith. I walked all the way through that year. I've been walking ever since by faith, and God's blood was cast through the cross of Jesus Christ was sufficient that by his stripes, I am healed. There's a sense of inspiration there when I get a hold of the Word of God. You may say, Mari, I'm broken. I know a God that mends broken hearts. I know a God that can put the broken back together. All of the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but God can put Humpty Dumpty together. I don't care how broken your life is. It, God has anybody. You say, Mario, I've been rejected everywhere I go because I'm different. Well, God can take your difference and make it your strength. You have a, have a sense of destiny in your life. You need that inspiration that you get up in the morning and say, my life may be going through hell, but this is not the plan of God for my life. I may have to go through hell, but I'm going to go to heaven when I get done with this. There's a sense of inspiration in your life. There's a sense of impartation. I love it when the lame man came up to the men at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. It's kind of like the person standing on the street corner with a sign, give me money, or don't want to lie, going to smoke weed, whatever it is they write on their sign this week. And they looked at him. They said, hey, give us some money. And they said, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're going to impart something to you. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that made, they raised that man up, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. You read about the lepers coming to Jesus. Everybody else said, don't touch them. Jesus said, come here. I've got something to impart to you in a very powerful way. You read about the man that was let down through the Can you imagine the roof starts opening up, how freaked out we would be? And we'd say, man, you're tearing the roof up there's a better way but a person comes down and said the only way we could get this person to Jesus was to tear the roof off Jesus said that's enough faith for me your sins are forgiven rise up and be healed Jesus Christ imparted stuff to people and he is the same yesterday today and forever if he imparted it then he'll impart it today he will impart it in incredible ways the Holy Spirit comes he comes as a comforter he comes as a God. He will lead you into all truth and righteousness. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He that is in Christ has received the righteousness of God in Christ. So if you have come to Christ and you're walking in the Spirit, your steps are going to be ordered and God will take you where you can get to. You need the inspiration. You need the impartation. But at some point you need an intervention. You need a divine intervention in your life. I'm not going to take you there, but just mark this down. Exodus chapter 14, verses 20 and 21. 
Moses is standing at the Red Sea. All of Israel's behind him and Pharaoh's army's on the way. Perfect timing. You, that was awesome. Keep going. Pharaoh's army was on the way. And the Bible says in verse 20 that there came a strong east wind. Strong east wind. Now you need to understand this is not the Ten Commandments. This is not daytime. This is nighttime. If you read it, it's dark. They got a fire by night, but it's between them and the Pharaoh and his army. It's not in front of them where the water is. They're on the west side, not the east side. The wind came from the east. In other words, Moses didn't stretch out his rod, and from where you are, the miracle happened all the way to God. Moses stretched out his rod and couldn't see anything because the water's parting on the other side coming to you. God sent a strong east wind. One of the Hebrew words there for strong is ancient. God had had that wind for a long time. God had been waiting a long time for them to get right there where they were. You see, God didn't intend Israel to be in Egypt for 400 years. He intended for them to go over there for the seven years of famine and then get out of there and go back to the promised land. But they got comfortable in Egypt. And their comfort led them to a crisis. Because God didn't call us to be comfortable. He called us to be conquerors. The wind's blowing. It's coming to them. They're crying, oh God, we don't want to be slaves anymore. Oh God, we don't want to be abused anymore. Oh God, we don't want to be used anymore. Oh God, we don't want to die with Pharaoh's army back here. And God said, before you ever called, I've already answered. I had an east wind that I've always had right here waiting on you to call on my name. And when you call on my name, I'm going to release that east wind and that east wind is going to blow. And all of a sudden, you're going to look up and the miracle's going to be right there. And you say, the miracle is here, but the miracle had already started before you ever realized the miracle was starting. I want say something to you today. The miracle has already started even though you haven't asked yet. The miracle has already been released even though you hadn't been to the altar yet. Some of you are dealing with loneliness and rejection and identification issues. Some of you are dealing with brokenness and addiction. Some of you are dealing with a broken marriage. You're dealing with a broken heart. You're dealing with disease in your body. God has a wind for you and the wind will blow when we ask him to. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you need the wind to blow in your life? Raise your hand. Would you just get up and come on? Get up and come on right down here. Come on, all of you. All over this building, all the way from up there where you raise your hand. Come on. All the way to the front, all the way to the steps. There's going to be a lot of people coming. Come on, all the way. Come on. Come all the way down so as many people get close as possible. Come all the way. Come on tight. Come on tight. Be friendly. Be friendly. Do you know him? Be friendly. Come on. Come on. Wind is going to blow. The wind is going to blow. The wind is going to blow. Hallelujah. Come on. We're going to wait on you. Just keep coming. Get everybody down here as close as possible. 
you to see his glory but he wants you to hear what you need to hear so I'm going to pray that as we come and pray for you this morning and I'll ask the pastors and elders of this church to help me one by one as much as possible I'm going to ask that you would ask God God let me see what I need to see and let me hear what I need to hear and let me have what your wind would bring me this morning. Let the wind blow. Let a strong wind blow. Let the answer you have already prepared come into my life, my heart, my body, my soul, my mind, my spirit, my family, my finances, my circle. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to start singing, and then we're going to come pray with you, and the pastor's going to help me. We're going to believe God to minister to you supernaturally this morning in these altars. And he will. The Bible says if any two of us gather together in his name, asking in his name, he'll do it. He's not a liar. The devil's a liar. God will do it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the incredible opportunity to come into your presence. And God, I pray that your power would be made manifest in these altars, that your anointing would begin to flow right now, that the river of life, the river of power, the river of glory, and the river of the stream of God would begin to flow, and they would experience the current of that river, lifting them up and taking them where they could not take their self, that they would not fight against that current, but God, they would give themselves to the current of the anointing that is in these altars and in this place. God, I pray for the people that as they come into your presence, they would experience that strong wind that you've already had released. They would experience the miracle that you already have planned. And God, as we pray and worship you, that you would impart the power of the living God. Allow those that are not filled to be filled. Allow those that need to be refilled to be refilled. Allow those that are hungry to be full. Allow those that are thirsty to be quenched. Allow your anointing to flow in a river of living water through these altars. And God, we will praise you for it and give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.